0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Jungle, presented by Deserto. It's your boy d here with Dom and Monty, and we're back after a long hiatus because we're at Worlds. It's time to talk the global scene. All the major regions had their finals, and we know who is going where in terms of Worlds. Uh, guys, how's it been? Dom, how are you, man?
1: Uh, it's good. Yeah. I was able to finish all the co-streams and stuff. That was the last co-stream of the year, and now it's just... <laughs> Just live views. It's just Worlds content.
2: Uh, yeah. So now you're into the easy part of your year, which is Worlds, right? Where you can only stream for eight hours a day instead of 12 or 14? Uh, yeah, it
1: was more like 16 during uh, LPL <laughs> because it was like, I mean, the LPL playoffs, they're going, uh, they were going to five games. Like all of these series would just go to five games. So you get a five-game final. Then there's like yep. a two-hour break. And then LEC and LCS was going actually to five games quite a bit as well. So There was some days. I mean, there was the day with the eight hour pause where it was literally like I woke up at 3 a.m. I mean, I had like a one or two hour break in between LPL and and LEC, but I woke up at 3 a.m. I finished that day at 11 p.m. my time. And then I have to like, you know, eat, go to sleep. I have to wake up the next day at 4 a.m. So it's just it was 3 a.m. to 11 p.m. Four or five hours, just in between. It's not even like you get to sleep. Like people will think, like, oh well, you yeah. got to sleep for five hours. Like, no, that's not how sleeping works. You know, you don't just instantly. Like fall, <laughs> I don't fall asleep like in my chair the second I hit, like <laughs> yeah. stop streaming and then wake up. You know, like wake yeah, up in wake five up hours, in like ready to go, again. Just your like, stream. yeah, I just, I like fucking just sit up like the undertaker or some shit and i'm ready to fucking go so you're
0: you're the man in the box dom that's what you do that's what you get for being there for like most yeah. of your life the, the, that, that
1: was a tough weekend that was the, that was probably the hardest weekend
2: all year the, the funny thing about that was my experience was very different than yours dom so like i started uh you know i started watching what was it the tsm FlyQuest game that was the game that just lasted until the end of time yeah. so huh? no, as no, soon as the pause eg
1: eg tsm
2: oh, oh eg tsm yeah yeah sorry yeah. so um I, uh, I I started watching the series, and then I was like, uh, the pause hit, and I was like, well, fuck this. I'm just going to go buy some ribs. And so I went to the butcher, bought some ribs, put them in my smoker, smoked them for four hours, ate them, and then the series still hadn't ended. <laughs> I saw the tweet. It looked delicious. (laughs) I just thought it was funny that because, you know, smoking meat takes a fucking long time. Like four hours is very short. So it was just really funny that I was able to like complete the entire like store to consumption smoking experience within the the space of one League of Legends best of five.
0: Yeah, well, you guys at home have some time and you want to watch some content that you can finish all of it and catch up with this whole year of League Esports head on over to Deserto and subscribe to the channel. Uh, Got a ton of stuff there. We are actually, we already surpassed Astralis, and now we're going after Excel. And the current gap at the time of recording, we have 12,000, 12.6 thousand subscriptions. Uh, Excel has 25,300 subscriptions. You know, it's almost like the gold lead they had that they threw to all of a sudden lose everything and not make it to worlds after having <laughs> fanatic on the ropes. So uh, le- please go subscribe and uh, make that happen here for Desertus So you don't miss any of the content, Monty uh, you are not in your normal spot. Cause we know that Dom's in his box that everyone normally sees him. in. where are you recording from? Where are you at? Uh, uh, I-
2: I'm at, I'm at Tahoe. So I could usually come here up during the summer uh, this year. I was doing so much with league of legends content. That uh, it got pushed into, into the right before Worlds time. This is the only time you have. As I'm sure Dom can appreciate, this is the only time you have.
1: Yep. Yep. I mean, it's this. And what then, are you uh, doing? Are
2: you going to go take a vacation? Or are you just going to watch Champions Q? I'm
1: probably going to do the tracking the pro stuff. I mean, the thing is, like, oh. streaming is really finicky, you know? Like, you spend months grind, So I, pretty much at the beginning of June, I spent months grinding my stream. And, like, my numbers were, like, probably the lowest they've ever been. Um, because I took a, a an extended break before that and LPL, like there's just more um competition now, like casual streams with LS doing LCK. So there's just a lot of competition. So I spent like three and a half months grinding, and this is like the first time that I've actually been able to get my stream back to the point that it was before I was banned. Like when Riot banned me, they they fucking took me out. That was like yeah, I mean, it took years, literally years to recover from that. I, I know so, I know that feel. Yeah, so I mean, essentially, like,
0: I'm not
1: essentially, I don't have the luxury of just taking a break now and you know letting things die down again, die down again. You know, like if if you take time off streaming, it doesn't matter. Like people will be like, "No, nah, good, take time for yourself." That's what everyone will say to you, but in reality, you will just see rapid decline. So you just have to like try to. Yeah, see, this going.
2: is this is this is the fallacy that everybody uses right now. Because I can bridge this. Are you ready for this transition I'm into? Danny, oh, no, Danny, his poor mental health, uh, which, you know, I'm sorry if he's having issues. Truly, I am like that fucking sucks. Competition is very difficult. Um, but the thing that, that Dom's saying is like people will say that they care about your mental health. But the reality is, if you are not consistently offering them the fruits of your labor, then that's actually truly what they actually care about. And then they go away. And, you know, as as shitty, no doubt as it has been for Danny, and I do sympathize for him. You know, at the end of the day, if you are not able to compete in the most important moment of the year for your team, your value goes down. And as harsh as that sounds, that's just the reality of being a pro gamer or being a competitor at the top level. And so, you know, it's it's awesome that EG was able to uh, replace him with a more meta player. Seems like that was kind of advantageous to EG. Just gonna yeah, put that the situation out there a seems bit. a
1: little weird to
2: me. It's a little sus, right? Uh, it's a little sus. Deegan, I saw you tweeting about um, how they, they hadn't actually put him on the sub roster. And mm-hmm. then magically, he was allowed as an emergency substitution for emergency reasons that are not made public or known. So it just seems incredibly suspicious and also very easy for teams to abuse in the future when mm-hmm. a team, you know, because... We can't be inside other people's heads, obviously. Perhaps something more ser- serious occurred. That's certainly a possibility. We're all in the dark or not. I shouldn't say all. I am in the dark. Maybe you guys sure. know, know things yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I will say that this sets a really, in my opinion, bad precedent for competitive integrity with the league. And um, can is is I think right for abuse in the future, even if it wasn't abused this time. And I think objectively was a better outcome for EG's competitive competitiveness in this series because it really changed the way that the bans had to happen for Hundred Thieves um, on a very short notice. Yeah. So I mean, the whole thing was bad in my opinion. It was handled badly. And also, as much as people like to say that they support mental health, the reality of this situation is that Danny's value in the market has gone down as a result of this, um, because you just don't know if he's going to be there for the, the most important parts of your team. And like, you know, here's, here's, a, here's a kind of hot take, but like, this is, is going to sound really shitty, and I understand that, but like, double lift, played to finals after his mom was killed. And I don't think I'm surprised he did that. And I think that must have been extraordinarily difficult. But at a certain like that is that's a really hard situation. But he ended up playing that final.
0: So, yeah, they, I, and I think what I gathered from it. So the decision was, I guess, the decision making was made by New commissioner, Jackie Felling. Um, Jackie comes from Gears of War. She also spent time, was it over, Overwatch League, Monty, uh, where you yeah. interact with her as well? Yep. Um, and so Jackie has spent time as as a commissioner, as the head. And so she made it uh, known as as it went through the whole process up and down that like, hey, look, we it, mental health is a priority. Priority now, as it always should be. But here's some action behind it. We think that this is a... a, a a, a an emergency so therefore that's, there that's is a new a thing by the way
1: that that mental health is a priority because like yeah.
2: so for example for,
1: i had for for people that don't know i had like an intense battle with panic disorder in 2014 um and it was like pulling teeth to even get them to allow me to take a pause like i had to have like medical this medical like i had to go to like all these like doctors and shit just to get like the 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 forms needed that they would allow me to take a pause like when I was having a literal panic attack on the stage, which like I mean I just like played through it, you know, like those times where my team like, boy was was like the person that knew me the best, so he could literally tell like I was pretty good at like masking the symptoms or whatever, but he knew and he was he would just like look over sometimes and I just knew that he knew it's like oh shit like this guy is like fucking he is feeling it right now and we were just like having to play through it and it took weeks to even get them to like let me to ta- let me take a pause, so I, I don't know I mean I just feel like. It's just uh I guess it just depends on on
2: who you are within the league, well, you know. I I'm, I'm curious, Dom, what you think about this because you considering you were in that situation, yeah. do you think that this is just something that pro players have to it's it comes with the job and like you just have to perform in that moment or do you think so, that what do you think the correct course of action is?
1: Well I mean I, I mean I think it, like obviously if it's becoming like a danger to your well-being then that's a different conversation. I mean sure. you have to go yeah. person to person and it's like one of those things where it's impossible to know what type, like how bad somebody's mental health really is at least you know. I mean it, it's really hard, difficult to actually quantify how bad um people's mental health is. What I will say though is that in like r- ridiculous mental stress is part of being a professional player. Every pro yep. player deals with a lot of mental stress while being a pro player and that is part of the job so i don't know how much of the job it is but like i will say that, that is that is something that you're always i mean you're having to play it in front of a bunch of people you're getting criticized like all players are getting death threats on social media obviously none of this shit should happen but like it's not good for your mental state that when you're having like you know a, do- a downtime yeah, yeah. or you play like poorly for a couple games it's yeah, I mean you you pride yourself. It's gonna be one of the things that as a human being, you're going to value the most in yourself. So when you put everything into something and people are like, you're shit at that. Like you're like, it's okay. almost like they're saying you don't have value, even though it's not direct. Like that's mm-hmm. how you feel, you know, you it this is what you do for a living. So, and this is like probably your dream, and most people are putting everything into it. So uh I will say that like when you are playing poorly, it does affect like your mental health to some degree, even like you know, like for example, when I was a pro player, you had relegations, right? So if we played poorly for a couple weeks and suddenly we start heading down to like sixth, seventh in the standings, like you're worried about like, Oh shit. Like, are we going to have a job? What am I going to do? Like I'm fucking out of school for like three years. Can I go back? Like, where am I going to live? Like you, you have all these types of things, which will like compact. Like it's not like that is the only reason you could have like issues with your mental health, but that is something that will actually impact your mental health where you don't even know, like you're, like where you're going to be staying, like how your life's going to operate. Like yeah, yeah. just having an unsure future is actually pretty tough. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's really, I hard will say, to... I think
2: that's probably less of an issue now, considering the amount that the payor- players are being paid. Exactly. It's like, you know, these guys, fortunately, and I think this is a good thing. Um, you know, if something goes wrong, they have time and resources to figure out their next move. Like yeah. you could make enough money in a year to pay for your entire college afterwards. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And they, most they players do, in fact, because their their housing and food and everything they're taken care of. So it's just pure profit. So you know you can when you're when you're making pure profit. If you're making 300k a year, you could pay for your literal entire college uh, yeah. with that money.
0: So, After you so get so your Balenciagas and your you know your
2: Gucci slides. And oh yes, yeah. so once you know, buy all the sports, stupid shit. Yeah, sports, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but
1: I mean, <laughs> I mean, essentially, like, I mean, I th- I think that there should be. I mean look, if if somebody just literally cannot like people handle stress differently. If somebody literally just cannot perform the task, you can't force them to if it's going to be a danger to themselves, but one of the things that I think is is kind of weird here is um the point that Thorne brought up where they were listing a secondary coach as one of their subs so they could bring yes. extra people. And yes. I think that that is like them like so they're essentially abusing a rule because they're 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 banking on the fact that we're not going to yes. have an emergency. But then when you do have an emergency, then you just get the sub anyway. It's like, but they're like, li- like other people might actually be yep. listing their subs. That's the issue yep. that I have with that. Yeah. And, and, and also, yeah, and, and this, yeah. Is,
2: this is because Riot will only pay for a certain number of people uh, to attend mm-hmm. these events. So if you want to bring more people, then the teams have to pay for them. So what this was, was EG trying to get Riot. Now, I don't think EG is poor. So, like, to abuse these rules in this way is kind of shitty. And nobody's yeah. pointing this out. I mean, I think there, this conversation has been you know, the outcry was like, we must protect Danny. And nobody was like, but wait, extreme mental pressure is part of this job. And like, we just have to accept that in a highly competitive environment, that's what it is. And maybe this was truly awful and deserving of this emergency. I, I'm not saying it isn't. But I am saying that this precedent, I think, is not great. Um And I think that the substitution rules obviously should be changed in order to affect this but also teams shouldn't be allowed to abuse them in this way so there's there's like several layers of fuckery here and on top I mean, of the fact that given danny's performance which could have been you know part and parcel of the mental health issue like he certainly looked like he was flipping out on stage um, yeah. We,
0: uh yeah we took a look at their win cam uh on face check after uh, they won, they beat TL in that series, and you saw Vulcan, he popped off, slammed the desk, got up, jumped up. They showed JoJo Pew and he's laughing at them and rips his headphones off. You see Danny and he like like they won. You see Vulcan kind of come into his mm-hmm. camera, popping off, and he like cracks a smile for half a second and it's back to like focus. And then eventually yeah. once everything settled in, he he like yeah. it yeah. all kind of broke down. And like that to me is why going back to what you said, Dom, it's so difficult to tell. Uh, to to create one rule all the way across uh, per person about the mental health. That's why I liked the fact that Jackie was like uh, the commissioner was like, hey, in this case, this is an emergency. But uh, Monty, to your point, yeah. they have to relook at the rule. They. Well, have I mean, to why go back why, why, why even so have a, like, look. it? Like, look.
1: If that if that's how it is, I think that's fine. But like, just just let okay, just just ha- say make the
2: rule that anyone can sub on your academy roster at any point if you need them. Yeah. Just make that the fucking rule then. If that's the, the rule, problem, there's no problem, the problem is is that that creates issues with like pe- uh, teams subbing up and down within academy, right? Um, yeah, I mean, just so. make
1: it so you have to list them like a week before or
0: something. So yeah. So what what happened here is like they had to list them for all the playoffs, and I I think that was an interesting mm-hmm. thing. Normally it's week to week. So there was like a playoff roster lock and I don't know it just it just kind of feels like in this case the the rules or regulations that you have are bad if you have to use an executive order to fix it. I'm highly sure after I'm in Chicago got to talk with a ton of staff. I'm highly sure that they're going to look at this and change it permanently so that it doesn't be abusable. But that was the reason why I was tweeting about it in the first place. No one was talking about Kaori. No one was talking about the substitute. It was very much a, hey, let's protect Danny, and it felt very much like a, like a, like a move. It was, it was a PR move, and a, and yeah. then eventually, I, I just Lameed wonder like if it would
1: have been handled the same way if it wasn't like because Danny's like one of the golden boys of the LCS, you know, somebody yeah. who's had like a ton of success. Let's say it was like somebody who was like a medi- a mediocre player on one of the rosters. Like, would they have the same thing? like let's say like golden guardians in like their first match they have to like sub one of their players would riot make the same exception or would it be like ah oh, fuck it you have to play with your like 80 carry who you list as a sub he's got a jungle for you for this best of five i just wonder like if the rules would have been consistent something that you'll never know but i think yeah. that that's just like the the only thing that's that's strange to me is like they didn't even discuss the rule at all they just like blew they're just blew over they blew over that that whole part of it and like the rules have to be there for a reason. So like they should at least well, address it or just, I mean, I, like, I don't even like, I'm fine with the Academy roster being, being able to sub in. Like I'm fine with that, that concept. I just want there to be some type of statement.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully we'll get that at the end of the year. I just, what I've gotten from a sense of being here this whole weekend is that uh, things are changing. Things are changing because it's Jackie's first year being commissioner as she took over middle of the split a ton of outlets were here doing interviews with her and um getting to know her perspective and how she's going to be driving change here and I think it's just going to take this future offseason to see what happens and here's I, I do love that question Dom if it was let's say it was uh you know an ad carry over like sticks a or something or for golden guardians and they have that I don't know if it actually goes through but we we'll, we will never know what i do know is that she's now starting to apply her authority you know to old yeah. rules and eventually will make them i mean
1: i mean enrolled. i will say that that seemingly lcs is getting better like as yeah. as a viewer i mean like you know, as,
2: as as like much as 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 the negatives are of this particular situation as, and sure. as somebody who has spent years being a commissioner myself i would not have handled this issue this way Um, I will say that this weekend was significantly better and the improvement has been very real in terms of production quality, which was shit with LCS for a long time. Now, I don't agree with everything that LCS has done. So for like you're going to have some misses, though, with the hits. So like, for example, the whole like Dash Kobe fighting thing was cool and well made, but literally did nothing to get me hyped for playoffs or have anything to do with League of Legends at all. So like. I don't understand why you spend so much money on something like that. That seems like a miss to me. But what seems like a hit was a lot of bringing back all the old players, having this lead-in of, of top players in NA of all time, uh, have, bringing them into the stage like we saw from the LCK last year. There was a sense for the first time, I think, ever of history within the LCS, which I thought was great. I thought was great. I thought it was really well done.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, in the stadium, I tweeted out, I don't know how it came off at home, but in the stadium, that, those were all major hits it was a ton of fun to watch and very nostalgic and it was a lot of fun for you all at home watching what was your favorite part about the lcs ceremony and do you feel like it's getting better let us know in the comments below after you subscribe of course for more of your league of legends content at deserto um all right i want to give you your final thoughts here uh dom on like uh the way things are going for the lcs
1: um well i mean i think he's just been positive i think they've done like very obvious things that just make the experience of watching 10 times better so like bringing the pro on for like a guest cast and analysis they don't have to be the most articulate person in the world but people like whippo like he just has what it takes yeah you know? that's
0: great
1: <laughs> he's just one of those guys who you just talk to him and you know that he's gonna fit into that perfectly like he knows how to yeah, yeah. keep it light also provide insight like doesn't come off as like super fucking arrogant or like, oh, I'm like a pro. I'm so better. Like these players are like so bad. He doesn't have that type of like vibe to him really when he's doing it. So I think that when they started bringing like, I mean, Fudge has a little bit of that vibe, but like he's, he's funny enough that it's good, that it's good to watch. I think that that was something that was really positive for LCS. Like bring somebody up um, that that's a pro and just like, have you get to like spend some time with the pro players in a way, because right now there's no way to like before there was, you know the vlogs, there was a the TSM vlogs. You had more content that teams were producing. So you can actually kind of get to know some of like the personalities, but if you're not like in the scene directly, you just don't know any of these players. So for like fan to pro player connection, I think it's good. And then also I just think that pro players generally, if they're articulate are just going to be like pretty good casters though, or at least in a tri cast, they'll be able to provide value um, in terms of insight. I think that was really good. I think uh pro to pro is, is a really good segment where they have high like discuss, game with another pro player i think that that's just like valuable in and of itself i don't know it just felt like lcs was was better to watch this year which was different because like for 2020 2021 like you were feeling the the decline from 2019 to 2020 to 2021 lcs was just getting less and less enjoyable the games felt like they didn't fucking matter and then now for some reason even if the results like i'm not expecting anything great from na at worlds but even without the results like i still think that it's become more watchable so yeah i mean Think it's been uh yeah probably the best year of L- LCS in like four or five years.
2: Yeah, in a long time, I agree. Oh, uh,
0: we have it on the production side and a lot of the business side of LCS, but we're in Chicago because we had ourselves some matches. The three best. Teams. Oh right, three oh out here. Yeah, yeah. yeah that one. I, it it really didn't feel like it though. If anyone <laughs> came and said hi. Thank you so much. The, a lot of love for uh, for The Jungle, guys. A lot of people came up to me and said, hey, tell Dom I love him, tell Monty I love him. It was, it was really, really cool to see and feel the impact of what we do uh, this weekend, and it, it was a lot of fun, so I wanted to make sure to pass that on. Um, but we had matches. Uh, let's start off there with that third place, or I guess the semifinal. Uh, the semifinal match, lower bracket grand final match uh, between Evil Geniuses and 100 Thieves. Obviously, the big story coming into it. Kaori coming in. Everyone, and uh, almost everyone, assuming that 100 Thieves is going to win. They're in form. They look good. They lost to you know, Cloud9. It was a shock, but you would expect after the shakeup of the roster um, of Evil Geniuses, Maybe they spent everything they had over in Team Liquid. Not so fast. They make a fantastic, fantastic five-game series. Uh, so let's start there. What did you make of this series here, Monty? I see you. Uh, the wheels turning here.
2: Uh, no, it's it's just like, you know, coming into this, uh, from people that I spoke to, I knew that Kaori was going to have a more meta champion pool and was going to pretty much, like, massively warp the pick-ban strategy. So it was really a question of how well he was going to synergize with the rest of the roster. And because ADCs tend to be more plug and play than other roles within this game. So like the way, the way that I was evaluating it was this. So Danny had been underperforming, even on the champions. He was, you know supposedly good on which were not exactly meta champions he was really not good at playing most of the meta champions there was this myth going around that he was good at sivir even though he only played a, a handful of sivir games that looked terrible on sivir during the playoffs so i, f- I found that one weird uh, and they were banning it themselves later on uh, as as they went deeper into the playoffs so this was a situation where it i figured it would be relatively plug and play for k where he was going to have a better champion pool where it wouldn't have necessarily been plug and play was the The laning phase with Vulcan, but frankly, Vulcan and Danny's laning phase was so bad already in these playoffs that I thought, how could it be worse?
1: Uh, So is that really? They've not been good in
2: lane, even in spring, like they would, they were the type of
1: lane that was just getting solo killed all the time. And then they would just like pop off in team fights and people would say it was okay.
2: Yeah, no, no. Like, I I think they were really bad, especially towards the end, even through playoffs and going into MSI. It was a major concern. Then I think they stabilized a little bit earlier this split, but it was throughout this playoffs. It was pretty bad again. Um, And so I figured, like, well, he couldn't be worse in lane. Right. And I had heard very good things about him. I'm not I don't follow Academy, but I talked to a bunch of people who do who said very nice things about him. So I thought that this was actually probably a slight upgrade on the whole considering all of the factors that were going into play and i think that mostly bore out i mean he certainly wasn't a standout like if you look at this series i think that jojo Pian generally did quite well but there were also really confusing moments in some of these games where you know the throws would come in at, at like in game four and five at dragon's fights that eg just Really didn't even need to go after uh, when they already were starting to stra- stack dragons and could easily wait to scale out. So it seemed like w- the feel that I got was that EG was very desperate to like make the play, and I think we saw that um, in some of the instances where JoJo Pion was playing Ari and he would try and overextend to kill the backline as opposed to setting up proper flanks around objectives. And so, I mean, I, I don't blame them. Like it, it's probably really hard to go into that situation with a fly, a player who has just flown in that you haven't been practicing with recently. You probably feel like you have to step up in order to win that game. Um, but I think it was pretty underwhelming from both sides, honestly. And and after this game, I got a very strong sense that C9 were a heavy favorite in the final. Um
1: Yeah. Uh I mean I think KR just looks or uh Kaori, I guess is how people were pronouncing Kaori, him. Yeah, um sorry. Yeah, I I was calling him Kyrie Irving on my stream. I was calling him, like, all these different types of names. So, uh, I mean, Kyrie looks like he's just better in lane than Danny, just objectively, just from the way that he trades, from the way that he um, is able to play the matchups. Obviously, there was the Siver game uh, where, you know, he's swapping for heralds and things like that, where, you know, it's probably just team decisions. And, I mean, I think under the pressure, this is pretty much the best you could expect a a sub to play who's never played in, like, a tier one um, league. I think it actually made EG play better during, during this uh, best of five. I think they would have played worse with Danny because um, with a a sub, I mean, you have like the vibe within the team where there's not really the expectations anymore. And if your subs actually performing, you could just play the game. Um, So yeah, I mean, I was, uh, I mean, I think that EG did what, I mean, they exceeded expectations and just seems like, in reality, like, neither of these teams were going to be able to challenge against Cloud9. It seems like Cloud9 is just hitting, like... I mean, they're checking off all the boxes right now of what you need to be... Um, what you need to do to be a strong team. And, yeah, I mean, it just doesn't feel like other 80 um, carries could really compete with Berserker. So, yeah, like, in this type of meta, I mean, pretty much this series was like, okay, Kauri's pretty good on Lucian. Ban Lucian. All right. He's, just like, pretty average on other stuff. And, you know, we're still a better team. I think 100 Thieves was a better team. Even... Um, when danny was playing in these playoffs like I, w- I would have just said they they looked more cohesive so i mean hundred thieves definitely did not play perfectly by any stretch i think Abadage had a really bad weekend in general compared to yeah. his level of play um <laughs> to, like when they were playing uh, in you know losers bra- or uh, yeah winner's bracket all that stuff um he had been playing really well recently didn't se- seem to bring the same energy on stage and i just feel like the meta for them is not really that great um all things considered like hundred thieves uh, you don't really want to be in a dog jungler, Poppy Trundle meta when you have closer on your team. Like what you, what you want is you want, you not want yeah. a full clear carry jungle meta, a Viego meta where this guy can pop off and actually like, you know, take over games. But right now, I mean, he just doesn't I mean, we have We saw it
2: that. from the, from him saving them on Lee Sin earlier in the playoffs, right? Like that's what yeah. you want is, is for him to make the play and not be like, I clear three camps and pillar you.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, that's, that's literally the meta right now in, in LPL because because lanes are so um they're so volatile with a lot of the matchups like you're getting a lot of like Azir versus LeBlanc or any of these types of of, of lanes Half the time, the jungler will just clear three camps and then go find the enemy jungle. Like you, you don't even, you're not even actually making a play. You're like, I just want to go like find the enemy jungle, and you just sit there and you just look at the enemy jungle. You just look at him. You just look at them, and you're like, I am the ward. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's right here. You can play however the fuck you want now because we see the enemy jungle. And then the and then your Azir can like trade his Ian lane. He can win every trade because he's able to get to. He doesn't have to save it to escape. Your lanes can just play like absolute monkeys, and then you just end up. You know, having having lanes to get ahead. So, in this type of meta, like I, I don't think it, it actually is a great meta for hundred thieves. But I don't even think Closer is like playing this this meta super well. He seems like the type of player where he it's almost like he gets bored when he plays champions that are um utility. Like he just doesn't view it as like oh, there's that much skill. You know, some some jugglers just have the ego of like, of course I can play Poppy. Like if you play if you play like Lee Sin, of course you can play Poppy. But then you watch this Poppy and it's like mm, you're kind of missing a lot of ults. Like you have to you have to really like understand how the fight's going to go. You can't just outplay them. It's more just like understanding what is the right thing to do at every single moment. So um, I think that's not good for hundred thieves.
2: Yeah. I mean, it probably would have actually been worse in some ways had hex flash been actually enabled for these playoffs because you know, the way that some of these hex flash junglers like poppy play is even, I mean, you really have to coordinate very well around your team uh, in order to make the most of that ability. And that is like the peak way to use poppy. Right. Um, so I wonder if it would have been even worse. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. I mean, in comparison to in comparison to the other junglers, because the only region that Hex was enabled was Korea because they were on a, the previous patch. So, yeah,
0: hmm. uh, in, in in the press conference, like in the press conference, uh, basically, they made EG do theirs after they lost. And then it was Hundred Thieves went first because they lost and then Cloud Nine came in afterwards. Uh, EG, after their loss, felt OK. You know, they're like, hey, we have built an excuse. And what are you and- going to do? Uh, yeah. yeah uh yeah, they already Kaori. made worlds
2: like come on yeah
0: like, it's fine. like it was very weird the 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 losses in houston were way worse it was it was very depressing here it was like this stinks but cowrie took the blame on himself he was like i didn't play very well so for evil geniuses and then rigby took a lot of the blame for a couple of the drafts there at the end he was like i messed us up and then in the interviews afterwards i think someone was like yeah he messed up draft. We we messed up draft or whatever. But with uh, 100 Thieves, it's the same thing, right? Three straight finals in a row, winning one a year ago, and then losing two here, both 3-0s, two of the fastest ending ones. And I had the chance to sit down with who he on my interview. He's like, yeah, we just choked. And now we've choked twice. Uh, and it doesn't feel great, but we got to work through it. And when, I, when we were in the stadium, I was sitting with uh, a bunch of folks, and they were like, wow, uh, closer looks tilted. And it maybe is the first time where these guys game two, when they had the lead and they lost the yeah. lead, and then you saw them start going in one at a time trying to like make plays and then save it. It was the I think I can mentality. I, I don't think I've seen this team do that for for a while. You know, they lose, or they fall behind or they get picked and then they try to fight. That was one person at a time running in and that looked like tilt to the most obvious eye.
2: Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, one thing that Papa Smithy has told me about his team is that um, they're very emotion driven. Um, mm. And so, like, he, you know, his perception of that, of his own roster has been that they they take a lot of momentum with them if they're in a good mood. But it can definitely go the other way, too. And I can understand, especially in that game two versus Cloud9, why it might be a little tilt inducing to have that lead. Because, honestly, it was a, a pretty good play by Blabber to, like, sneak into their jungle and, like, get behind and one shot fbi but like that that is in, insanely frustrating for him to like slip through your defenses like that I mean to, like,
1: they 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 knew he was there I mean they, they should yeah. know he's there like they even yeah. took the blast code and then they just like I don't know I guess they thought his w was on cooldown because they saw him go over the wall so I don't know I I feel like that was something where it's really easy to infer um where the enemy jungler is and I think one of the things that I've noticed just about na in general is the um the deductive reasoning just isn't there. You know, it's like, there's like zero object permanence when it comes to like where people are. Like if, they see somebody like babies like somewhere, right? Yeah. They're like babies, you know, like where you, they'll, they'll like see a player. Like, like, where's so for example, your nose?
2: The, where's your the, nose? Exactly.
1: <laughs> Monty, like, I mean, I'm sure that as, 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 as a, as a dad of a young child, you're, you're, you're dealing with a lot of this right now. You're learning, yeah, you're, you're yeah. seeing your baby learn object permanence. It's the same thing that I want NA to, <laughs> to go through because you'll see, for example, like, the the cannon nocturne game in game one which is, which is another example of the same concept where you see the cannon flanking on the
2: ward it's the so world's slowest see... flank by the way which was hilarious because like you watch it slowest... on the oh god
0: because
2: <laughs> they're like but literally like... killing the ward and you see him like walk Look. around the blue buff very very slowly <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe they've never
1: seen the nocturne cannon combo before but this is something that was even played in lec mad lions tried it oh, yeah. it's something that LNG played every single like fucking game no, i think cloud nine <laughs>
2: played it earlier this playoffs tom i'm pretty sure
1: yeah i mean the point is this right like if you're playing against this and nocturne combo like you know what the combo is and if you see the guy flanking like why are you still letting yourself stay in that position like you have to be able to to deduce where he is based off like the information you have it's there's enough information that you can make educated guesses in this game and it feels like yeah there's a yeah there, there's a there's a uh an inability to um play around the enemy's like win conditions in in na it seems like most of the time they're they're just opting into some of like the worst fights possible which are extremely avoidable especially when they're done on vision because the thing is like when you look at this nocturne Kennen combo what makes the nocturne cannon combo so strong most of the time is the teleport. Plus the nocturnal because then, because right now, like if somebody TPs, you can see the TP you can see where you're, you're getting TP'd on from. But if you nocturnal because nocturnal got buffed from four seconds to six seconds, a while back now you're, you're dark for six seconds. That TP can come in in complete fog. So you can literally Mm -hmm. just TP like right over a wall behind them. And if nobody like, goes over that wall or like there's like, you can't ward it obviously because you're a nocturnal then you, you can get like Kennen flash ulted. you can get completely flanked during the nocturnal but this is like the most like baby flank ever it's like all right fudge start wrapping around them it's like yeah okay we red sweep it okay he sees me on a ward it's, like yeah i'm going okay the nocturnal comes in like five seconds before you know where the fucking ken is coming from he's still landing like a three-man ulti
0: like killing the whole fucking team so i don't know it's a little bit right. weird in that that respect well, for, for that for that specific play, because that was such a big one, I thought that was going to be a pause, like right afterwards, because there's two ways to handle it. The, one way is to have the Soraka up on the flank, and Soraka can just silence or whatever, right? You could have Soraka there, but Soraka was kind of sitting in the middle, protecting FBI and healing everyone. Or you can do what they did, which was have Abadaga on the Azir, create the wall, and, and block him off, or- which is what happened. He popped the ult, blocked him off, but there well, was a sorta. weird interaction where he popped straight at the wall yeah well it's because yeah. the wall wasn't thick
1: enough for him to go all the way over but here here's the last option that no one ever does in in na which is like done all the time in in asian regions just have somebody mark him on the flank like send your fucking top later send someone to go force him out of the flank like you literally send somebody who has the ability it yeah, could even be poppy you literally just send somebody up towards them, and it's like, yeah, you just you have to now walk through this champion in order to get here. You have vision. Especially, the time. especially
2: because he's walking through a choke point at the banana brush, heading into river anyway. So there's not really an excuse not to do that. I did find the game the Nocturna uh, uh, Kenan combination was played by C9 against their CLG in their first match, which is I, I mean we knew yeah. they were going to do it or had the option of doing it from that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. those are not rocket science. And this is this is the thing is like NA can just run these baby comps that other teams in the world are capable of, def- of defeating because there is very little understanding of win conditions or how to punish people in lane. So like old clockman apparently is just free wins uh, in NA <laughs> every year like just the old Clockman man region well, we can and- i mean we just don't have
1: the, the the thing is there's meta things that that shit on a uh shit on a uh, zillion but there's like for some reason we can just never play them i mean number one it should be like control mages are like good because you just like dominate the lane when you know bjergsen went to worlds with his old Clockman in evolution. 2020 <laughs> what happened like w- what what happened like ga is playing fucking they're, they're playing fucking oriana mid he's just gapping the fuck out of him killing him like level four right or, or it's all
2: in on the lucian dude that's what because lucian mid was meta and he was just getting yeah, shit on azir but like
1: the other thing is silas is just a better zillion silas just fucks zillion like it's impossible it's actually impossible <laughs> so like zillion should be like a situational counterpick if the enemy team starts blinding like very aggressive champions that don't have the ability to uh, or like just an enemy team comp that dives. So you should be picking Zillion if uh, if you're playing against like Cream or somebody from OMG and they're they're blinding the Akali. That's what you want to be playing the Zillion into. But instead in NA it's just like you blind Zillion with the Silas up and then the Silas gets picked. And even if you like lose lane to the Silas for some reason like it just never ends up
2: going well. I don't know. It's just really strange to me. What what if I told you that most of the mid laners in this playoffs couldn't play Chain Man, so they they can't actually counter yeah. old clock. I'd be very sad. Well. <laughs> well, I, I never want to see Bjergsen's,
1: Uh, I, I never want to see Bjergson's Silas again. Uh, it's
2: fine. <laughs> uh, but you're right. I mean, it was speak- up in the drafts and the finals against Zillion, so – Yeah. I, I just that don't was- – like. I just don't fundamentally understand – well, actually, I do. I, I'm lying. I do understand NA drafts. <laughs> you you draft Nocturne Kennen or you draft front-to-back team – scaling team compositions – And you just pick the champions that scale the absolute best. And because no one will punish you, you just wait until you win the game. Um, Now, it's not going to work with teams that actually are able to play aggressively in lane. um, But they'll have to wait until Worlds to figure that out, I guess. In the meantime, we just get to watch the most passive, like, boring, non-punishing play possible. Even in the finals, I was like, really? Two games of Zillium? This is where we're going? I I, yeah. I mean
1: it's just a call out to 100 Thieves. I mean, I think 100 Thieves yeah, sure. 100 Thieves should should ban it, right? Like in reality they can't they're, they're not having good performances mid, but they can't play the counters. So, I mean, Zillion Zillion should have a lot of counters to be fair. Like I think that most control mages should just be good into it. I mean, if you're if, if you see a blind Zillion like why can't you just play things like like Victor, things that do AoE damage that don't have to commit because Zillion is really powerful when you're able to ult somebody who's like who's getting focused, but when you AOE multiple members, like then the Zillion ult becomes worthless. Yeah. So there should be ways to play against Zillion, but, um, yeah, it just doesn't happen. So I, it makes sense to be honest the way that that 9 drafted it because like at the end of the day they're drafting to win, right? And if you think the enemy team has no ability to answer your champions, it doesn't matter if your champions are optimal or not. I just think that it's it's um, it's strange how the same types of champions are always powerful in North America. I mean, Seraphine is another one, and, like, I made the joke Where, on, where on was matches. Seraphine,
2: by the way, during these finals? I, it wasn't banned against 100 Thieves. I expected 100 Thieves to at least try and play the Seraphine, considering that has been one of their key champions in their victories throughout the playoffs.
1: Yeah. Um, I would just say that the the Seraphine without Seta into, like, enter in, matchups, if the AD carry is really good, can be hard. Uh, just later on, I think you just can get I mean it's kind of weird but you can get outscaled uh as a Seraphine. So I just don't think that they thought that was a reasonable answer into Berserker because sure like you're going to you can get through the lane probably 10 20 CS behind but if the enemy team actually like plays well has the engage and they have this fucking insane hyper carry that like a Sivir with a Yumi on top, I don't know, it seems pretty hard to uh deal with that guy. I mean I think that Berserker just kind of smurfed on everyone this entire yes. playoffs you just look I mean he's like definitely the, the best MVP carry.
2: right <laughs> yeah I mean and, has there and, been a performance touched...
0: that, that good like it's been pretty awesome
2: I, I mean it, it's kind of all tangled up in the meta as Dom said earlier like when right. you have the best AD carry in this meta you can get away with a lot because the odds of that AD carry being punished in the laning phase I, I think are kind of low um and so, especially if you are very good at team fighting or setting up with your team in the late game, that 180 carry can absolutely just dominate these matches. So I think Berserker's performance was really good, but he was also wearing the crown of the meta, right? So is he a real yeah. king is the question.
0: Sure. Uh, I guess we'll find out as they're going up against some of the best players in the world in that uh Tough, tough group draw that they have at Worlds. Uh, let's. By the way, that
2: was actually fucking hilarious that they got high gaffed. space.
0: It's the new hot It's the new ball, right? Because we had Jazuke having an upside down, and that was the meme. High space. He pulls it out, and he goes with the. Oh, it looks so much like the uh, you know, the old girlfriend no. hot girl meme. It, <laughs> it was that kind of oh face. I was like, oh hi. Oh, I
2: know, dude. I I, I am uh, just as as an aside, I am actually really intrigued to see T1 versus Cloud9 because. You do wonder whether T1 should have kept a Berserker over GumiYushi at this point in time, and if this meta persists, uh, I, I don't think T1 is going to be super good at Worlds. So that could be that could be interesting. I don't think Cloud9 is going to like beat them, but I do think that <laughs> matchup is spicy.
0: Yeah, um, we were speaking about Zillion earlier. I had one more one more kind of question about the the the, the procession and stuff they had the greats come on out on stage before they uh before they had the finals they brought the trophy out you know it was great to see dyrus come on out and you could see the emotion and all that stuff for him uh obviously not everyone was there uh afro didn't come dom obviously you didn't show up but it was like uh a
2: procession (laughs) That yeah. uh, a lot they of didn't give you don't... enough money to sacrifice your co-stream, did they? <laughs> I mean, Offer you a like... whopping zero dollars.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's like it's like one of those things where they're like, "Oh, we can get you like a setup," but it's like, do I really want to do like one of those setups where you're just like in some room that's unfamiliar with the weird, like, I don't know. I would just rather do what I'm doing from here. Also, like I, what, what are you talking I about, do...
2: Dom? I, riots, uh, riots, playoff tech, uh, was flawless. So it definitely, well, I mean, the, the, the problem out, is
1: but, also yeah. like the people that, that ended up going, I think were like sneaky and double up, but they don't do LEC. So like, I want to be doing LEC into LCS, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. Just, like, it's, uh, it's difficult in, the, in that respect. But, um, yeah, I thought, I thought the dirus on the desk was kind of weird because like, I mean, I've i been friends with Dyrus for a while, but he's just not, like, the most socially aware person. Like, I don't, like, people think, oh, he's, like, I mean, everyone in my chat was like, oh, he's so high, bro. Like, he's just high as fuck right now on the desk. No, he's, he's just, Dyrus. just No, he's <laughs> just, just how high. he is. <laughs> yeah, it just, that's just literally how he is. But, like, I don't know if it's good when you bring somebody who's, like, yeah, I haven't watched LCS in, like, five years. I just fucking troll voted the fuck out of, like, my LCS top ten players of all time list that I was, uh, you know, one of the only people that was privileged to have the vote. Uh, the chance to vote on. Um, and then he just comes out up on, he's on the analyst desk and he's just calling the players like randoms. He's like, yeah, I don't know any of these players. Like yeah, I just found that it's, extremely it's a bad, strange, it's
2: anti-hype. It's anti-hype yes. for sure. And, but and here's, but I, it was here's, definitely here's the fan thing. service. It was fan service that That's a yeah, look, but, that's but that people... But it, you, it doesn't matter because I think it lost more than it brought. And the thing about sure. Dyrus that I really like, and I, you know, I like Dyrus as a person and yeah. I like, I, I'm friends with his dad. You know what I mean. So, Dadris, yeah, Dadris, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like hang out with him when I go to Hawaii and like whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I love cool his Dadris. Go to Hawaii, <laughs> yeah, yeah, hang, yeah. out with I hang out with Dadris. <laughs> anyway, he's, 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 a, he's a great guy. <laughs> love him. Um, so. Uh, what One thing that I really like about Dyrus is he's just honest about this stuff. Like, he'll just say, I haven't watched this. And he's he doesn't, like, come in and – I mean, he'll do it if you ask him to do it. But it's not like he wouldn't have been forthright with the people who are asking him to do it. So it's yeah. like they made – that the producers made that decision anyway, even though Dyrus was telling them, like, I haven't watched LCS. I don't know who these people are. He's I not going to pretend the- to know who they are, right? He's just a really honest guy. And so – I I just don't understand why that decision was made. That was weird.
1: Well, I mean, for for me, the way that I see it is like you look at you know the ovation he got when he actually showed up and i feel like that's that's what you bring him there for it's like oh we have this like legend here maybe if you will do like an interview with him personally about like you know like a where is he now type thing like i think that's fine but why like bring him on the desk to like analyze the games like in between games like hey dyrus what do you think about these guys it's like i don't know the fucking players they're all fucking piss randoms it's like jesus thank you dyrus appreciate your view let's get back (laughs) to it here
0: with whoever who, who else was on with him. what was it there was two players, right? It was Dyrus and someone else. When he went on, I, I was in this I don't recall. So. But it, you yeah, know, I you just remember. go back to now. So I think it's just that that moment because that's the, people wanted to see that honesty. People wanted to. Uh, uh, Do they want know, to see uh, that? that? Kind of, I think so. <laughs> I think so.
2: It's I mean, not every I, I, week. Look, it's me, not every. Me, it was. It was only for one segment. But yeah, I mean, I think but, yeah, yeah but it. you can just change the segment. Like, if you really want Dyrus, what I would have done is put him on there and gone over like some of his most famous plays. And then like, how is it, you know, seeing your plays from this, this many years ago and being in the stadium now and see, seeing the continuing legacy of the LCS and done something that was more personal and something that he could talk about. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of things. You can yeah. do. It, it, was, it was a gamble. And as, as we know, LCS trying things, that
0: one was maybe one off the other one that kind of caught my eye, caught my attention very end. Right. You get Bjergsen and Doublelift carrying the trophy out together. It surprised everyone. It was really cool. But the first thing I thought was, like, you're making Bjergsen carry the trophy out after getting knocked out of Worlds the day after? Like, that felt, that felt tough oh, it was, to me. It was the day after. Down the yeah. road. Five years down the road. Yes. Glad he did it. You, know, it. you know, he'll look back and be like, yes. You know, we're celebrating 10 years, and I'm a big part of that 10 years. And, yes, this year didn't work out, but, it, you know, you're part of history. But that – I was like, man, Bjergsen – yeah, it's like, it's, it's like you no like no, it's like no no okay. like,
1: the, the people that made the situation like wait what the fuck wait he's still a player wait what do you mean he was playing <laughs> he, played, <laughs> he was in the fourth place man? <laughs> holy shit that guy was <laughs> was
2: there he's still playing <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's like i i think you and i may have different definitions of playing Dom. uh but he was physically <laughs> present um <Aww. laughs> Well, I mean, yeah you you watch you watched a lot of Korean League of Legends. and They don't do much game playing over there either. That's true. Oh, they just sit there. <laughs> I, I will say we
1: do have different definitions. That's, that's sure. why
2: that's why we like live sandbox. Krakow sucks, yeah. but he sucks in the most entertaining way possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I was sandbox was my favorite
2: team with with Domon.
1: I mean, I've, I've just always been a Domon enjoyer, but sandbox was my favorite team to watch. Dude, but I they're mean, they are fun, they're they're funny
2: like, as fuck. Like, like, right, All All right. a lot of the
1: things they do, it's just. Yeah, I mean it's just it's a complete illness. There was one fight I was reviewing one of the series. There's one fight where they take a 4v5 down a Mumu ult, like clear. They see all five champions, they don't have one of their key ultimates, and they just opt into a four v five. So yep. it's essentially just a three v five. They get ace versus Genji, lose the game instantly. It was like it was game yep. one of their playoff match. I was yep. that shit hyped me up. I'm like, you have to be <laughs> just actually insane to take that fight. <laughs> That that's why it's, sad, so that's why it's
2: sad they're not going to Worlds. We have fucking horrible DRX instead. Because the thing about DRX is, like, they are insanely boring. And I, I really just wanted Live Sandbox to go and just be crazy on people uh, for my own yeah. entertainment. Not because I think they would have done well, but because it would have been really fun. It I think been they really would have done
1: better than that. Sand- I, I, I'm, I'm, Sand- I'm not a DRX enjoyer myself. I think nobody sandboxes- enjoys DRX. <laughs> Some people do. I've got some deft enjoyers, people that are like, but it's deft. He's historic and shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of like Zico because he played in LPL the year before. I thought he was pretty good. I think he's pretty good still now. I think he's generally underrated by people that haven't watched him play. But DRX is
0: boring. I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for indulging me on that, like the top ten ceremony and the players coming out. I, I thought that was really fun. We we needed to touch on it. Uh before I mean, we do close we, off.
2: How much how much do we have to talk about this finals, by the way? Because like I think we should talk about we haven't talked about Cloud Nine's performance at all. Besides, that's what I was like, getting to.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Slamming before them we close up, for, off, let's talk about Cloud
2: Nine. Like, They're the ones that this, won. They are the dominant yeah. force moving forward. We're, you know? We're like an hour into this show and finally talking about one of the winning teams from this weekend.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, because they
0: are who we thought they were. They're the dominant team. They didn't have to show a ton. They played a comp that they already played, and it was like, uh, you know, press R and Berserker, profit. Like that, those were. It seemed way easier, and a lot. I think it's not hundred. These play bad because they did, but it's also Kalinaj is that much better in, in form right now. What do you think, Monty?
2: Well, I th- I think that uh, Berserker played like shit because. Uh, he got the one death on a winning AD carry uh, team for from this entire weekend. So he had infinite more deaths than comp. Um, so probably he yeah. should be looking to be replaced on C9. Retire. But... <laughs> <Should quit>. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes aside, it is pretty impressive that both comp and berserker combined for a whopping one death in six games. Um, but I, I, this was, uh, game two was the only one that was remotely close. I mean, I appreciate that Cloud9, What I lo- here's what I like about Cloud9. I like that they have a lot of confidence that they want to play carry top lane matchups, that they have certain pocket comps like the Nocturne Kennen that are not, you know, it has been played other regions, as as Dom said earlier, but it's not like the standard, right? So you have to include that in your uh, pick ban phases when you're going against them. Berserker's performance has also been really good. Even little things. Um, Sven has gotten like a lot better at support in terms of, one one thing that I think will be underrated was that in the weird start to the third game of the series, when C9 did that invade, that arguably put them behind. Like, I, I, I like that they have the balls to go for these plays. It could have but it was one
1: more kill there. They they fucked up the, yeah. the return kill because when somebody, I forget who it was, somebody flashed over into them and they like split their focus instead of just hitting the guy that had no flash. They would have gotten an extra kill, but still.
2: Yeah, yeah. There was also like it was unfortunate that like Lulu ended up with the red buff and the kill or the kill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so like the, the smite issue. So there were like a lot of things that could have gone differently. Um, I mean, Abadaga could have also like, I don't know, walked down there, but that that's a separate, that's a separate issue. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that there were, but it was the point. The point is this: it was a very weird start to that game, and uh, it the result was that Blaber ended up being kind of behind, and you saw the kind of proper play of Closer, then trying to invade the jungle after the recall and and try and set him up. And what was impressive to me was Ven actually recalled himself after the push and then came to into the jungle in order to provide backup. And like that's a play that. These are things that you have to do on the fly, and for a a new support player to be making these decisions, I thought was really indicative of a lot of Sven's growth. Um, How he handled that, how he handled the advantage that he got on support, and tried to translate that into helping Blabber back into the game and providing pressure was a really good sign. So I think across the board, this is a team that um, is very fun, at least, is aggressive, does like to take risks, especially when they're ahead, and trying, and, um, you know, destabilize the opponent. And I'm looking forward to seeing them at Worlds. And it's surprising because they spent so much of this season being pretty mediocre. And I do think that the meta has shifted into their favor. Um, but they they took it around with it. And they have seen, you know, Fudge has been improving since he got back into the top lane. Uh, Jensen was pretty rocky for a lot of the regular split, but at least has found a. a pool of champions that he can be meaningfully good on and then blabber and and berserker i think have been kind of the standouts
1: um, well i mean i think it's also just like the meta is really good for somebody who plays ad carry that's transferring to support like this type of like enchanter meta i mean it's essentially you're positioning a lot of the time like you uh, the other thing is like when you're playing in it when you're an ad carry player you know what you need from your support in those situations so then when you go to the support you're like okay like this is what I this is these are when he like he's going to be walking up to auto these are the key spells they're going to be be down so these are the pockets that he's going to be looking to play aggressive in all that type of stuff so i think that it's it's actually a really perfect meta for a player like Sven because even when you look at the other champions that are picked it's like Renata is similar to like a similar function and then like the counter to Renata is Ash support. It's like, what would you who would you want
2: to see right, right, playing right. an ash support yeah, yeah, besides did, for a fucking a bit, AD carry? You know, yeah, so was, they they did do that earlier too.
1: Yeah. So for me, it's this is like a really good meta for, for Sven. I think the meta that I think will be really difficult for him as a support player is if you get into a meta where there's like a lot of Rakan, there's a lot of Nautilus Engaged, because champs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, engaged champions, but then, uh, yeah, just being able to like find those windows. It's like pretty hard to not just int your face off in a professional game when you are super starved compared to everyone else and you're playing an engaged champion. Like, that's why people like Ming get Nautilus banned so frequently, is because he'll, he knows how to engage with Nautilus and not kill himself. Because normally, like, if you try this and you're not precise with your entries, you're going 010. <laughs> like, you're just going to have one of those Nautilus games, you're just dying. Over and over and over again. So um, I think that the meta right now is actually really good for, for Sven. Um, and I think it's just a, a support meta where you don't need to have the same um, the, the same like skill set that you needed to be a support in, like the last like two, three years. So I think that, that the timing of what meta we're in right now is actually really good for cloud nine overall.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean yeah. that's a that's a good point when you're when you're an AD carry you're not really concerned with the engage you're reacting to an engage and then counter engaging and so being the engage yourself is quite the difference.
1: Yep. No. But and, like, I, I will say forward. like at least
2: at least one of the the positive aspects of Sven as a player is that he's always been very vocal even out of the AD carry role. So I would in time I think that he he will learn how to do that and be able to really communicate that very effectively to his team.
0: I and hope so. for world success this is a lot of it it's like hey is this the right meta for us will we be able to make it in so that's really cool mm-hmm. and I, I, to your point players that are good at um those engaged supports but then they go to worlds and get punished at it like immediately come to mind it's vulcan right on cloud nine when he was playing forsven uh on the leona on the nautilus and it was just like yeah and na he didn't get punished but then how many times did we see him like cook land on something and then like get killed walking backwards, trying to flash and then die. So like that, that happened all the time. So Sven doesn't have to worry about that right now. That's not the meta that we're in. It's going to change obviously. Um, but uh, nine looking good and looking like the, uh, definitely the class of NA and fueling the hopium as uh world's coming to NA. So going to be a lot of fun. Um, awesome. Final thoughts on LCS before we move on over to Europe and uh, their uh, cast of stars.
1: Sweet, huh? All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I think that that this is probably like one of the most exciting NA teams because at least they don't have any bad players. You know, like every other NA team that you've sent you've to, to Worlds, you've been like, ooh, I hope that the enemy teams
2: don't catch on to like this weakness. You know, like really hope that they don't figure this shit out. Um, I mean, I, I my my question is this: um, Is Danny going to play at Worlds? Because if no. I had to make a choice, because remember, this is Cowrie coming in with from Europe without any synergy with this squad if I'm EG I'm just going to put unless I think the meta is going to change which it probably won't change a lot I know Dom you tweeted that you think Kaisa is going to come back into the meta which is obviously huge for for RNG um but I, I think especially at the AD carry position we may not see a lot more changes what are your thoughts on that front Dom um because I, I haven't been in solo queue recently, so I I, I don't. Yeah, I'm really not sure. I mean, people obviously always
1: love Kaisa in solo queue. I mean, I think that's a that's just a given. I, I think that that the interesting thing about uh, the meta is really just going to be like what what is going to be played in the support role, and I think that will be dictating it. Because if like Lulu is just broken, right, then you have a lot of like then you start going down the rabbit hole of like Soraka becomes valuable, and there becomes yeah, yeah. like these types of picks, which I think are easier to get through lanes on. Um, But I think the biggest issue that teams are going to have to worry about is like the AD carries um, playing aggressively. I think that Cloud9, even though they have a hard group because they got EDG and T1, I actually feel like they're kind of okay to be in this type of group because they have like a really good AD carry. They're not going to just get absolutely booty blasted yeah, yeah. by Viper. I, ho- I mean, there's a chance, right? Because I didn't think Gala was going to get vo- booty blasted by by Viper, but Viper was just like all up in there. It was just fucking crazy. So uh, <laughs> oh, like, I don't know, like, like he's kind of a different breed. I hope that that Berserker can kind of hold his own. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it's a better matchup than some of the other ones because a lot of the other teams at, at um, Worlds, like so for example, when I look at like JDG, right? Like JDG essentially just has their top laner is literally just like Odo Omne on crack. That's what I would, that's what I would just view him as. 369 is just a cracked version of Odo Omne. He plays all of Odo's champions, but he just looks like a fucking beast on them. And when I feel like a team plays like that, it's and, and they're playing like this really difficult mid-jungle combo. I feel like that's very exploitable. Or that that's um, yeah, that's a big way to exploit NA teams. I think the weakest part of NA right now is mid-jungle synergy. I think Jojo Inspired is probably the best, but the weaknesses on the other fronts are so severe in my opinion, that it's like you being not that much worse. Mid jungle is not going to carry the game. Um, So I-, I think that the meta isn't even like the thing that I'm looking at the most. It's more just like how the stylistic matchups go. And I think that cloud Knight is actually probably fine with this stylistic matchup. I think that this is probably one of the more passive mid jungles you can get out of the LPL. When you compare that to like TN Knight. you compare it to your gal. One, right yeah so i just think that those are that you'd you'd you'll take this draw because there's not that much of a difference between like rng and edg people have this mentality of like ah, oh, but rng is like the fourth seed it's like what the fuck does that even mean being the fourth seed from yeah they're the fourth seed from lpl they fucking won msi bitch like they were like the number one <laughs> team in the fucking world like what like they won lpl which is the hardest league and then they won msi everyone thought t1 was gonna fucking beat rng and they like rng is not a fucking bad team like rng has like so you that are- also thought that yeah 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 Yeah. that's my point that's my point is that like like rng is is fucking good they surpass expectations so now people just have the same mentality but i mean the the point is even more that it's not even just that like i I thought that like t1 versus rng would be close and that was like what i got criticized heavily for on this show like our comments were like yeah this guy's delusional he's just like a lpl dick sucker like he just thinks that like that that t1 won't 3-0 stomp rng and then like RNG ended up winning. Like I said, three, two. So the idea that T one, like can lose to RNG. And then because RNG is now forcing people are like, yeah, but they got so much worse. They're like why, why, why did they get that much worse? Oh, because Bin's not on the team. Wait, but Bin was like the weakest part of RNG for pretty much the majority of the run up until finals of LPL. Like he was running it down. And now I mean, Breed the, is actually the, the narrative.
2: Good. Yeah. The narrative around that was when the trade was made was that it was actually an upgrade on a championship team. Sure. I mean, I, I I think that in general,
1: they're like, I mean, they're pretty fucking similar players. Like, bin and Breathe are pretty similar players. Like, they have, the same, they have the same style champion pool. They're really fucking good on carries. Like, in game five of the LNG series, what is Breathe pulling out? He's blinding Fiora into a guy that is known for his jacks. Like, that is... I mean, someday did it and he got his ass clapped. But you know what? Like, <laughs> it's a little bit different when when Green does it. You know, I respect the mentality from someday, but you know, it just wasn't it wasn't all
2: there. That doesn't have the uh, the 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 carry top laner uh, pedigree or reputation. That's never.
1: who Yeah, he's been. I mean, my point is this: like, I I think that it's better for um C nine to match up against a team like EDG because EDG is like one of the slower paced. LPL teams. They're probably the slowest paced LPL team. And one of the things that I would really worry about is because, you know, LCS likes playing at their own pace. They like playing scaling, they like playing things like Zillion. If you play against a team that is just like coming to fucking dive you every fucking wave, you are going to be so like you're going to be so panicked in the game. You're just going to make a bad decision at some point and the whole game's going to explode. So, um I think there's a mentality right now that 100 Thieves got lucky by getting a like a better group. But I actually think that that's not even true. I think that you'd literally rather, like, for I think for Cloud Nine, I don't think you'd want to play against Gen G RNG. Yeah,
0: uh, I, I like your point there, where it's like, okay, if it's slower paced, well, we won off of playing slower paced. At least we'll have the opportunity to play our style rather than, uh, yeah, as you said, I, just getting shock gnawed by it better teams that play fast and dive you at like you know they, they're able to execute the level three dives
2: <laughs> i i think what's interesting about t1 is that um they do play pretty fast early and they will play to a- aggressively push in their side lanes but they're also exploitable through the bot lane right so yeah so that that's that's
1: what i i think is, is good about that matchup because berserker actually i think could win lane against gumiushi like i'm not ready to just say gumiushi is a better no, AD no, carry no. than he's Berserker. no he's been
2: playing super bad so he's that's been playing, not even he's been that's, playing the, playing that's so not bad even an outrageous it's not even an outrageous statement at all i think that t1 matches up pretty badly against edg actually so yeah i mean we'll have to see. i mean it's the same thing that I you think, just i think here, here's an interesting take i think t1 matches up well and stylistically against jdg but badly against edg well, I'm not saying they then. would beat either team. I just think T1 would play a better game against JDG.
1: Yeah, I mean it's hard. It's hard to know. I, I don't really know like how good because T1 is like a weird team, right? I mean, all the hype was on Zeus. If okay, so as somebody who like I didn't watch much early in the regular season, I started watching like halfway through regular season yeah. into like playoffs. Like, am I just supposed to accept that Zeus is better than three six nine? Like is that something I have to accept? Because I think I mean, three six. Zayas
2: was like pretty mediocre in playoffs, but also he wasn't getting a lot of help from his team, and they like stopped. You know, he stopped playing a lot of carries or or being the main focus because it felt like everything they were doing was trying to triage their losing bot lane. So it's hard to know honestly because I think he was not given the resources to be the best player he could be. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, th- I think that. uh that T
1: one actually, so so T one versus EDG seems to me like T one versus Genji. I feel like the game will be similar to how T one versus Genji. Like, if you want to draw a comparison, like Ruler Viper, like I think that that is like pretty much the same dynamic there, where you have like this like really monster AD carry that has like wide champion pool, can not only play like the fucking um the AD carry trade of Zeri Siver, but he could pull out the Lucian. And he can pull out like aggressive eighty carries and win. Um, so I think that that's like a, a good thing for for um, EDG. That being said, like I mean, I just I don't think that RNG is a good matchup for um, C9. I don't I don't think that that's good for C9 or Hundred Thieves. I just think that the the way that you have to beat RNG is through mid jungle and like diving sides. Like you have to like pick stuff that is going to like make sure that that Jiahu is locked in lane is Jensen going to be able to do that? He's is- going to play old clock man and just sit there. Yes. So then, and if you let RNG, if you let Xiaohu and, and, and Wei play however the fuck they want, also, they're, I mean, they're going to kill everyone.
2: I, just based on C9's play, this this split, like what's weird about Jensen is even when he plays champions that should affect the side lanes, like Talia, he just doesn't go to side lanes. He just sits in mid and then he, it's not that he doesn't play it well in team fights, but it's like, he's not proactive out of the mid lane ever
1: yeah well i mean he wasn't that great in lane until recently yeah like That's i mean true. i mean he's still not great in lane but like jensen at least was solid um yeah he, he was at least a like a, a, a he wasn't losing lane whereas before it felt like abadaga was getting the best of him in the previous series so
0: yeah yeah uh, all right let's uh, talk about lec uh, as much as
2: we, we get excited about talking about N-A, stylistic that matchups that between korea and china <laughs>
0: <laughs> which i think is also, very we're, I've we're, got setting like up, minutes, we're setting up setting up some so na luck. copium right now like that was a lot of na copium <laughs> from the two of you i was so like we could call it western copium you know so uh maybe eu fans can join in as we host worlds this year but let's head on over to lec uh rogue does it odwamne gets it done as you said no deaths
2: for comp rogue gets over the line uh, congrats to Rogue. Uh, also, shout out shout out to Odo Amne for playing, like, a fucking beast both days. Because I think he was the MVP, probably, of the first day of playoffs, even though I would agree that Comp was the MVP of the finals. But Odo Amne was playing much better. And I think what was surprising about Rogue, because this was what was so frustrating about watching Rogue play, is that earlier in the playoffs, they would get fucking Exodia comps, like, you know, Azir, Renekton, Zeri, Yumi, and then somehow fucking lose the it's like they couldn't actually win these games or apply proper pressure around the Renekton uh they couldn't snowball the Renekton's lead or like make it easy for the Zaryumi to get into the late game like they got they have compositions that many of the top teams in the world would just flatten you with um and so to watch them really struggle with their wind conditions, and then lose those games, and then have to go in an entirely different direction, really made you question Rogue. But by the time we got to this weekend, they had mu- they were much better about you know figuring out the Renekton stuff, and I think that was one of I mean there were two things that I think really helped Rogue. Um, one of which was like figuring out how to play around the early pressure that some of these champions create that are priority picks around the world for a good reason, which then drew Renekton bands, which then opens up Larson's champion pool. And also Larson, who had had a pretty mediocre split by his standards. The whole team had a bad split uh, for them. For them, they had a bad um, split. A lot of that was he finally was not getting what? no I said
1: I said I think you lagged for a second there but no I, th- I think the whole team had like a pretty bad split in terms of like what yeah. they normally do in regular season they didn't look like even when they were winning games it didn't look like they were super dominant so no I mean I think that this is actually such a crazy rogue win like if you just yeah, look it at wild I mean this is the the split where they they shouldn't have won you know all the other splits are the ones where it's like oh you you're like the favorites like this was a split where I think it was just it was tough for them I mean look at look at their <laughs> look look at their their fucking Games that they played versus G two just a week ago, they were ne- they're not even close at any of the games. I've, I heard from a source behind the scenes that they literally had like a fifteen percent scrim record in the last like two yeah. three weeks, like fifteen percent. They went like nine and like fucking fifty or some shit. Like it was crazy.
2: <laughs> well, I think yeah. I think it was a lot of it was just figuring out some of these win conditions that. That they were really struggling with before and like if you go back and and look at some of these matches that they played against g2 um you know the lucian was getting banned out the Callista being banned out on both sides and the poppy being banned out on both sides um and when we come back into this next series it becomes a lot more i think difficult because g2 is trying to ban out comp and like pulling like three adc bans. And Rogue is coming through and pulling out the Caitlyn, like going back to the Tom Kench, which is not the most standard in this meta. And G2 has to then, in the third game, ban the Renekton because finally the Renekton is a threat. The thing about Rogue was that they weren't ever snowballing the Renekton or really playing well around it. So that I think that is a huge, huge difference for them in that it opens up a lot of other picks. And also Larson yeah. played, a, played a fuck ton better. Uh, over this past weekend. And, you know, the G2 is really reliant on Caps having these immense pop-off moments. And as we've seen from MSI, as we've seen from Caps' career, when he does that, it's great. And it can push you over the top to make you contend with world-class teams. But day by day, like, you shouldn't have to rely on that. That is not something you need to rely on to win a championship. Like, you need the other pieces of your roster to step up. Well, and Flackett and Targamas but
1: this it. is what everyone's been saying the whole time. Like they like the bot lane can't lane, right? So going into this, I did a segment on my stream where I discussed how rogue can win. And I thought the number one mistake that Rogue was making versus G2 before was allowing them to weak side their bot lane. I I think that you want Flocket to be playing Draven. You want, like, even yeah. if he gets a kill, whatever, you want him to, to play Draven. You want to play the Civersary trade. Like you want him to have to carry the game and neutralize the other parts of the map. So I feel like finally they 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 forced like, the bot lane to actually be active in the game. And you see when G2 can't just press Seraphine ult, when they can't just press Ser- send a Seraphine ult from, like, 10,000 range as their fucking bot lane, and they actually have to get in there and win, and they have to make, like, the micro decisions to win and lose fights, that's when G2 just is at their worst. So, yeah, I mean, I think, in a way, it's kind of good that they got called out, I think, because G2, I don't think that they realized how significant their weakness was, especially from their prep. Like, it felt like they thought that their bot lane could compete
0: well uh they have time to go ahead and fix that uh one thing we don't have time for is more jungle obviously we're on the road we're doing this one <laughs> split across uh multiple time zones yet again so this one we're gonna cut a little bit short so e fans don't worry we will have more content for you over on deserto esports so make sure to go ahead and like and subscribe uh you can obviously catch monty dom and myself on our socials ping away at the questions that you have we'll read the comments and we'll get back at you with our next episode of the jungle appreciate everyone for watching again thank you for all the kind words and we'll see you for next episode